Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. Do you get sunburned easily? Yes. Before you answer, yes, I was going to say yes. Because of your complexion, I feel like you get sunburned immediately as soon as you stand out for too long. Yeah, so not immediately. Okay, not that sensitive. But I do, because I have, you know, a fair complexion. I have light colored hair. So I have to be careful. I regularly have to wear hats because honestly, oh, wow. the sun will go through. Like I will burn my scalp if I'm outside for too long. Without... How thin is your hair? Your hair doesn't look that thin. No, but it's it's really light. Like my hair is is. Does that make a difference? I don't oh, know, wow. but it realize. is. So my hair is really fine. Yeah, it is. But you have hair. Yes, I have hair, but it's very it's very <laughs> like fine. I always joke that my head forgot to grow adult hair. Like I've got mm. like baby oh, hair. Yes. <laughs> you do look like you have baby hair because it's so soft. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think that's a compliment. I'm not. Sure. But so, yeah, I have to be careful to wear a hat because I do, you know, if I'm out in the sun for even 10 minutes without either protective clothes or with sunscreen on, like I'll start to turn pink. Oh, wait, you run all the time. Does that mean you apply sunscreen before you run? So it depends. Mm-hmm. So most of the time I run like first thing in the morning. Uh, when, the sun's not out. <laughs> yeah, either the sun's not up and I'm like running with a lighted running vest or it's early and like the light out, but there's not a ton of direct sunlight. But I wear a hat still. If I am running like later in the day, yeah, I'll put at least put sunscreen on my face and my ears. If I'm going to be out running for long distance, yeah, I'll spray myself down. But often I'm usually running short distances and then I stand in the shade as soon as I'm done running. But I run with a hat. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you remember the worst sunburn you ever got in your life? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I definitely remember. I was um, mid-teen, so like 15, 14, 15, maybe. Okay. The fact that you remember, it must have been really bad if you remember something from that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> and we were at Seafair, which in the Seattle area, the hydroplane races, and it's oh, like right, a big right. yeah. party on the Puget Sound. It's really great. So I was... Like just old enough that I probably people would have expected I could be responsible about sunscreen, but like young enough that I still needed reminders. Well, I was with a group of people and a group of adults who you think would have known better, but nobody brought sunscreen. And so my shoulders got really badly burnt. Like I blistered on my shoulders. My face got really sunburned, like my lips blistered. It was really horrible and really uncomfortable. And that, yeah, that was that. I was like, never again. I will always have, like, I always have a hat in my car just in case. (laughs) Got some sunscreen around all the time. And yeah, that was bad, bad, bad. Yeah, I remember my worst one. It was not that long ago. It was uh, when I was in grad school, but we went to the beach one day and I didn't bring sunscreen because I I barely go outside. So it's not on my mind to put (laughs) on sunscreen. You are more of a hermit. Yes, I am. Um, went to the beach. It turns out, because I'm not as fair skin as you, I have a little bit of melanin as an Asian person. So my face and my shoulders and my arms were okay, but I was wearing shorts. So the inside of my thigh, which I've never seen sunlight prior, <laughs> got absolutely fried. Because, you know, when, when it's skin that hasn't been exposed to sun, like it's naturally more sensitive to the sun. I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. So the inside of my thigh was absolutely cooked and I couldn't walk for like three days. Oh, I'm so it, sorry. It would chafe. Oh, that's terrible. But I, I don't leave the house anyway. So it's not as, could have been way worse. I feel like it would have been worse if I worked in a profession where it required me to leave the house and move around often. That would have been way worse. But thankfully I work from home. So 
that was the worst time I had it. But, you know, I feel like most people, or I guess most people who aren't dark skin, have at least once or twice in their life gotten absolutely destroyed by the sun, typically when they're young because they're not, you know, careful about these things. But fortunately, there's quite a simple preventative solution for sunburn, assuming you can't just take shelter, which is what I would do generally, um, is the sunscreen. And sunscreen is great at preventing sunburn. The acute effects of sun exposure is sunburn. And it's something so incredibly effective that if you apply sunscreen and reapply as needed, you can pretty much 100% prevent a sunburn if you do it correctly. So uh, before we get into the meat of this episode, Cass, our resident sunscreen expert (laughs) or resident afraid of sun sensitive skin expert is going to talk us through some sunscreen tips. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of really important things to think about. UV rays, the things from the sun that can cause sunburn, is not the same as warmth. So a lot of people make the mistake thinking, well, it's cold outside. I don't have to worry about getting sunburn or I can't directly see the sun because it's overcast. So I don't need to put on sunscreen. But actually, you can still get burned even when it's very cold. And you can still get burned even when it's overcast, even more so perhaps because the rays are bouncing around trapped in the clouds. Also, just to add real quick, if you are in a snowy area when there's snow on the ground, ironically, even worse, even though it's freezing. I was just going to (laughs) say, yeah, yeah. So, folks, I don't know if I mentioned before, but I was a snowboard instructor for a while. Yeah, very cool. And yeah, you had to be careful because not only would you get it from like the rays coming down from the sun, but then they would reflect back up. And so we had people who would think they'd be okay because they would have like a helmet on or a hat on in some way that gave them shade to like block the sun from getting into their eyes. People can't see me, but imagine like the brim of a hat, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, yeah. Which works if you are on regular land. But if you are on water or if you are on snow, Snow's those the worst, light, yeah. <laughs> the rays will reflect back up off the water or the snow and burn you from the bottom side up. And so it's, sunscreen's important there. I mentioned water. Yes, you need sunscreen, even if you are underwater, because at least unless you are super, super deep, those rays are going to come down through um, through the water as well, which is why if you're on a beach, for example, you can see the sand under the water out to a certain distance. That means that UV rays are, are getting down Physics. into the water. <laughs> yeah. You want broad spectrum sunscreen. So you want to be able to protect against both UVA and UVB. Quick note about that. Most sunscreens now on the market are broad spectrum by default. So typically not something you have to worry about. But yes, you do, do want broad spectrum. So SPF, which means sun protective factor spf 30 is generally enough anything more than that is only marginally more protective so you might see like spf 50 or 100 or whatever probably not getting that much more bang for your buck no spf 30 is generally good you want to reapply regularly at least every two hours another common mistake yeah if you put on sunscreen first thing and you're out running around it's gonna rub off you know it's gonna sort of break down as the oils of your skin release so you need to reapply every two hours preferably and make sure that you are getting all of the spots there are lots of common forgotten spots people will miss the back of their neck Inside of their thighs, you know, yes. low back or, <laughs> you know, around your your bathing suit straps mm, um, mm-hmm. for folks in particular, like make sure you lift your bathing suit straps up and get sunscreen underneath because chances are when you move, your straps will move and shift. And some of the like most uncomfortable sunburns I've gotten have been like a thin little line of sunburn, like where my bathing suit strap 
shifted and then like that happens to be where my bra strap right. rubs and that that's no fun that's i did not wow that yeah that makes sense i did not think about that because i don't wear anything with straps i guess so <laughs> yeah but you know make sure you get your ears and and all that kind of stuff and contrary to what you might think cheap sunscreen works pretty much just as well as the expensive sunscreen mm. when you pay more for sunscreen you're paying for texture sort of how it feels on your skin moisturizers smells those sorts of things. So, you know, we usually buy every year or two, like a three to five pack of the Sam's Club, you know, spray (laughs) 50 sunscreen, whatever. And we all spray ourselves down all the time. And so, yeah, those are some tips. Yeah. Thank you. Our resident sunscreen expert. (laughs) Still not true, but thank you. Yeah. uh, One thing that just came to my mind is make sure you apply evenly because there has been some hilarious photos of people just haphazardly rubbing sunscreen on their back and turn into this like Jackson Pollock sunburn yes so i cannot stress enough again for some of those like hard to reach spots or thinking that you got everything enlist a friend or family member to help you get some of those spots you know if you are going out and and you're going to be going out by yourself the first time like maybe even before you leave the house strip down naked and get all the spots that you can get before you put your, your swimsuit on Again, you need to reapply, but at least the likelihood that you'll have no sunscreen on any particular spot is probably lower. Yeah, also a good tip. Also, side tip, people often think about sunscreen in the context of like, I'm going for an outdoor activity, I'm going to the beach, I'm going to whatever. Realistically, we should be putting on sunscreen every day. And so <laughs> you, you have a look on your face. I understand. I do. I'll, so I'll talk later. <laughs> my daily morning moisturizer has SPF 30 in it. Yeah, now, sure. do I reapply that during the day? No. Should I? Maybe. But it's not like outside all day long. But at least to start off the day, I've got some sunscreen on because nobody wants skin cancer. That's gnarly. So we're going to talk about that in a bit. But yeah, so sunscreen is very important. I made a face because I get what you're saying. Like, I think we should be using sunscreen way more than most people realize. It's not just like, oh, I'm about to go on an eight hour hike. That's when I should apply sunscreen. But generally, if you're going to be exposed to the sun, you should consider putting on sunscreen in general. So I am not, as you say, uh, the resident sunscreen expert. But if I understand sunscreen correctly at least i'm not i'm not aware of anything to the contrary like you can't really apply too much sunscreen no no you can't no you can't like for some protective purposes you can't apply too much but you could apply so much that you feel nasty oh sure yeah like you could slather yourself in too much lotion and feel gross but like my point is sunscreen is one of those things where like you're not going to cause yourself harm if you put sunscreen on in situations where it's not required. It's not like, oh, I took too much Tylenol because I had a headache or, oh, I took too many vitamins and, you know, caused some pro- like sunscreen is just a topical thing. And, you know, as long as you're as long as it's safe, which a lot of sunscreens not are, getting yeah. something with like weird additives that are going to damage your skin, like the sunscreen is not the thing that's going to cause harm. No. All right. So I was the resident sunscreen <laughs> expert on tips. Sure. MJ. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of sunscreen? Yeah, so a quick crash course on the history of sunscreen. The idea itself is actually very ancient. Like people, typically people who live in areas with a lot of sun exposures, native and indigenous population, they understood that prolonged sun exposure is very bad. Like it's a very ancient idea that we need to put something to protect ourselves from the sun. So you can see that in a lot of cultures that live in these areas, they have like, you know, their own formulas, their own way of like making poultices or making like paste to sort of cover themselves with protective layer of 
uh, usually it's made from plants or something. But the idea of sunscreen is very ancient. Even if you look past like ancient uh, or not ancient, if you look past these historical uses of sunscreen, the sunscreen that we know today is also quite old. The precursor of it was invented in 1930. So it's really not like a new thing. Like we know about sunscreen for a very, very long time. And I think it makes a lot of sense because people spend a lot of time out, outside and especially fair skinned people will notice that they burn relatively quickly. So it's a very old and established idea. The scientific way how sunscreen works, um, it's not super complicated. The main mechanics is basically you apply a sheet of lotion and there's compounds, chemical compounds in that lotion called sunscreen that reflects, scatter, and then absorbs the UV rays before it hits your skin. That's essentially how sunscreen works. It's like a physical barrier, but instead of an actual fabric, it's just chemicals that absorbs the UV rays before your skin gets the UV rays. Yeah, I just want to add that as our technology increases. It's more and more common to have clothing with SPF built in. So pretty much every running shirt I have, long sleeve shirts. So again, when I'm running outside and it's hot, you know, I'll wear a tank top and have sunscreen. But when it's cold and my body's going to be all covered, like I don't want sunscreen and then a long sleeve shirt. So the shirts I have have SPF 50 in them. And so that's a, a good way also to protect yourself and, you know, standard clothing might protect you some, um, but if you're outside for a long time, SPF clothing could be really helpful because, um, as we sort of mentioned a little bit earlier, skin cancer is a really common problem. It's actually the most common type of cancer in the United States, and folks have about a 20% chance, one in five, chance of developing skin cancer before the age of 70. Very high. And this is really the most common cause, although it's not the only cause, but the most common cause is sun exposure. So that's a really important thing. We were talking about prevention, right? Thinking about how we can use sunscreen to minimize the exposure to the UV rays when you are outside. And skin cancer is really costly. We spend billions with a B, billions of dollars on skin cancer treatments every year. In the U.S. In the U.S., yeah. Often it is, you know, easier to treat than some other forms of cancer and a high rate of survivability, but it's still serious. It's still cancer. If it doesn't get caught early or treated early or effectively, it can spread to other places just like other cancers can. So it's important if you don't go to the dermatologist and get your skin checked, you should definitely do that. You know, it's a little bit awkward standing there, you know, having a, having all your parts looked at, but it's really important to make sure that you are getting checked out by a dermatologist. And as I said, there are most commonly skin cancer is caused by sun exposure, but there are many different types of skin cancer. And so there are some other causes as well. Yeah, typically what we think about is melanomas is a very common one for sun exposure. But there's truly so many types of skin cancer that they're divided into subcategories. If you're a dermatologist, you would know this, but they're like very specific, like what type of cells and they're named after the cells that develop the actual cancer. So truly many, many types. But the common thread is UV exposure damages your skin. And when you damage your skin, you damage the DNA that's within your cells and that increases your risk of cancer. So this is a public health issue because again, skin cancer are very prevalent. However, 
This is where it gets a little bit tricky because typically when we talk about public health interventions on this show, we typically discuss things at the policy level, right? What are things that we can do at the higher macro level that can protect the health of everyone? With sunscreen, there isn't really that option. It's really up to the individuals to put on the sunscreen. Obviously, there's education and information we'll talk about later. However, I can't really think of a good way to, you know, regulate in quotes, or enforce sunscreen usage the same way we can enforce other public health things. Like you can say, oh, no smoking in restaurants because secondhand smoke is a thing. But sunscreen is in that weird space of like, you kind of really just need people to do it themselves. I don't know, like, what would be the public health solution to this? So this is a a place where we can talk about some different kinds of prevention that we haven't necessarily touched very directly on. And so Often what we are thinking about in the podcast and broadly in public health, we often rely on passive prevention, meaning individuals don't need to take some action in order to reap the benefits. Again, this could be like a restaurant saying you can't smoke. You know, it's not like you have to do something to then not get secondhand smoke in a restaurant because people just don't smoke. Everybody sort of passively gets that benefit. But the complement to that is obviously something that takes action, which is active prevention, where an individual has to engage in some activity, do something in order to reap the benefit. And, you know, you mentioned education, which again, thinking about prevention, we have the four E's, education, engineering, enforcement, and economics. And so here, in addition to education and teaching people about the benefits of sunscreen, the importance of sunscreen, we could have some economic policies that reduce the cost of sunscreen. So could we eliminate sales tax on sunscreen or give some kind of other incentives to make it more likely that people would purchase sunscreen because it's way more likely you're going to use sunscreen if you have it than if you don't have it, right? Exactly. And we can also think about there may be other ways to expand access. So if you're going to a beach or a pool, there could be a policy that says these places, particularly if they charge a fee to enter, need to have sunscreen available for patrons. And so it could just increasing access by having people able to get access to sunscreen in these places where they might need it. And so those are some of the things that you could think of from a a public health prevention way that maybe we're not sort of totally getting that population level passive prevention because people then still have to opt in to... They have to do it themselves. You could also think about some future technological advancement where the whole world is covered in some UV... Oh, that sounds dystopian. (laughs) That's not going (laughs) to... That sounds dystopian. I'm just saying, like, it's not outside the realm of possibility that at some point in our lives, we may have something developed, particularly as we're thinking about technological advances to address global warming or climate change, you know, greenhouse gases, all those things like who knows? Who you, knows? you watch sci-fi movies and there's always these like special people can't see me, but I'm like yeah, trying you're to doing the umbrella dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, those are all good points. And I think a big part of how a public health approach to this would definitely be increasing access. I think another way that might be helpful is at public places you have sunscreen available for example at schools maybe you have you know like there's a new i don't know mandate that says all public school needs to have a tub of sunscreen on hand and it should be available to everyone so uh things like that yeah like like to take away right like so i was thinking in the context 
making it available in the places where you're most most commonly going to need it. But I like your sort of compliment, which is let's just have it in places where people are. Yeah. Right. Like we now in the U.S., like it is weird to walk into a place and not see a hand sanitizer dispenser yeah, see? now post COVID. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying we should have like sunscreen dispensers out because right. that gets a little bit awkward. But can we produce some like biodegradable or compostable packaging where people can take little packets of sunscreen with them and throw them in their bag? That way they have them later. And I'm thinking biodegradable or compostable because if we have a whole ton of probably not smart, you know, sunscreen packets around all over the place, right? Like that's also not great for the environment. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just increasing access is probably the way to do it. But uh, I did think more about this because sunscreen is that very unique thing of, well, at the end of the day, the people have to apply sunscreen. Now we're not going to be like, no, stop there. I need to apply sunscreen on you before you go. Uh, unless you're a parent. Yeah, well, we could think about also, like, now I'm just sort of brainstorming and riffing, but yeah, do it. we could think about some policy at the federal level that says all new clothes that are sold in the U.S. are required to have SPF protection. Okay, maybe you would exempt, like, you know, business clothes, formal clothes, whatever, but, like, if you're selling T-shirts or whatever that has to have some SPF built into it. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways that public health can intervene and sort of get more people to, you know, either adopt sunscreen or just protect more people from sun exposure in general. Again, skin cancer is a very common type of cancer in the US and it does cost billions of dollars. So if we can, I'm sure someone has done the math on this, but if we can increase people's usage of sunscreen, how many cases of skin cancer would that prevent? We don't know. It's a very tough mathematical question to crack, but someone should do it. Some PhD student out there, I'm looking <laughs> at you. Yes, someone should do it. Figure out uh, how much skin cancer sunscreen is preventing. I mean, we know from a medical perspective, like yeah, like it shields your skin and therefore less exposure to the sun. We know that perspective really well, but we don't know the broader, wider scale perspective of how much uh, skin cancer we're preventing with sunscreen. But anyway, fun little episode, but it won't be everything is public health episode without taking a somewhat of a dark turn. <laughs> Are you aware of the anti-sunscreen movement? So I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about, but as you know, a child of the 80s, I am very aware of People actively not using sunscreen and, in fact, instead coating themselves in baby oil or coconut oil in an effort to increase the likelihood that their skin would tan or that they would sort of absorb more rays of sun because then they, they have oiled themselves up. I don't think I'm aware of like any active misinformation, but that was really, really popular in the 80s and 90s and like all the tanning beds and everything that people would use to try to get themselves looking good. I'm glad you brought up tanning beds because the skin cancer website, I think it's called skincancerresearch.org, whatever, but the, the dermatology skin cancer website, they cite tanning beds as one of the causes of skin cancer. Yeah. I mean, talk about like a highly concentrated UV beam Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. on all of your skin too, because you're, you're sitting there pretty much naked. And I mean, in a matter of minutes, like like two minutes, three minutes, you could be giving yourself a sunburn, particularly for on parts of your body that don't normally see the sun. Mm -hmm. Inner thigh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I remember that intimately. But unfortunately, that sort of behavior is making a small comeback. People are actively, some people, I shouldn't put a blanket statement, some people who buy into this sunscreen is not good for your skin narrative are actively rejecting sunscreen and using instead oils. 
I don't know whether they're using oils to try to tan, which is what you're describing. I think they're using oils because they genuinely believe oils shield them from the sun, which again, just PSA, it does not. Uh (laughs) Um, uh, UV rays have no trouble getting through coconut oil. But yeah, like there's been some, how do I say this without sounding um, uh, judgmental? There's been some uh, radio charlatans uh, who are peddling the idea that sunscreen is very toxic for your skin and it seeps into your skin and it's, you know, causes your, you know, imbalance in your insert all your pseudoscience voodoo, voodoo nonsense, but it's making a comeback. There's a lot of people with very popular platform who shall not be named because I don't want libel stuff coming at my way, but there's a lot of very popular health podcasts. Quote unquote health. Quote unquote health podcasts. That's on Spotify's top 50 podcasts that have many times said sunscreens are dangerous and you should not use them. And, you know, sun exposure is good for you. Yeah. So that's happening. I guess I don't really have a <laughs> wrap up. Please this, wear sunscreen. Please wear sunscreen. Please wear sunscreen. It is good for you. They're generally considered safe. Yeah, it is far more likely you will experience significant harms and negative health effects by not wearing sunscreen than from the sunscreen itself. And so there's many narratives that they're peddling. One is like, well, it's natural, right? The classic, whatever's natural is good for you idea. Whatever's artificial is bad for you idea. There's also the idea that, well, if we like tan, that means we get a natural protection from the sun, which yes and no. Yes, in that, yeah, tan, if you have darker skin in general, it protects you more from the sun because that's how melanin works. But no, in a sense that if you start out without melanin and you tan yourself to get melanin, you have to experience this period of time where just exposing to the sun. Usually that means people who already have melanin in their skin, they're more protected from the sun. But if you don't have it and you're trying to get it, the only way to get it is by exposing yourself to the sun. Well, and even if you have higher proportions of melanin in your skin, you should should still be using sunscreen. (laughs) Like just because you have more melanin than I might have does not mean you are magically protected from getting skin cancer. Like you still need to wear sunscreen while your risk might be lower. It's still a bad idea to just be traipsing about willy nilly in the sun with no sunscreen. Yeah, especially for long periods of time. Anyway, don't listen to those people. Listen Listen to us. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to us instead. We have the info. Put on sunscreen. Tell your kids to put on sunscreen. I will also say like... I don't know for sure that these people who are saying sunscreen is bad for you, I don't know for sure that they're getting paid by people to say that. I think they are. But we are definitely not getting paid by people to say any of these things. We just think that this is good for people to know about. It's good for public health. And so at a minimum, you can trust the fact that we get paid zero money to do this, that we are more likely to tell you accurate information than folks who are probably getting paid for their opinions. In fact, you should trust us more because we're actively losing money on this endeavor. So we're getting paid (laughs) negative dollars to say this. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everything's Public Health. If you like the show, please share it with your friends, your family, your acquaintances. That is the best thing you can do to help us tell everyone how awesome and ubiquitous public health is. Please follow us on Threads, Instagram, and Mastodon, all at Everything is Public Health. And also Blue Sky Social at Everything is PH. We are no longer on the Twitters. 
You can find me on threads. Sometimes I'm not super great at it <laughs> at CastPhD. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review. It helps the show immensely. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or think we missed an important perspective, please reach out to us at everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. If you want to support the show directly, maybe help us not earn negative dollars <laughs> on the podcast. We have a Patreon page, which also acts as our website. Follow us there for all major updates and bonus material. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.